something in this script still plays from last episode. Hold on. Let me from December. Yeah, uh, We're having the blue milk of Tatooine. <laughs> you guys are a bunch of dicks. I'm glad you guys yeah, are sharing go ahead a mic. And do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna add some sound effects. So whoa, whoa, whoa. three mics. See three bullets. I feel like none of you have Clint Eastwood down. Really? No. It's, it's not Batman. It's, it's stop taking my mic. It's in the it's middle. It's not your mic. <laughs> <laughs> is that my mic? Approach from the left. That is your mic, by the way. This isn't going to work. Approach from the left. Me and Eddie can share mics. No, no, it's good. As long as he doesn't go full on, we can go on the side together. <laughs> can you look at each other when you do that? Please. I'll, I'll meet his eyes. See, there's two types of people in this world, my friends. One who has mics and one How who many, has to share mics. How many two different types of people <laughs> are there? In them. It's my fault. I forgot my mic. Because he told me. <laughs> I'm not letting you touch it. Hey, Wait. get off! Get off his! Wait, get what off you guys his, are talking about? Mike. Oh, that's what you guys are talking that's about. My oh. mic and fuck. This you. is not what you said last night. Good evening and welcome <laughs> to Three and a Half Gentlemen, the podcast <laughs> where three of the four hosts provide a refined and intellectual analysis to movies from our private collections and one who tries desperately to keep up. We'll let you decide which host is which, but for now, my name is Sean, and with me are my co-hosts Jeremiah. What up, yo? Eddie. If you're gonna shoot, shoot. That's not a line. That's, yeah. not, that's, yeah. not, that's you didn't you didn't get the line, but I got you. <laughs> if you're gonna take a shot, take a shot. There you go. If you're gonna take a shot, take a shot. <laughs> and Brandon, you can't tell, but my mouth is not matching up to these words. <laughs> With every review, we let you. T- I'm sorry. With every review, we tell you how many drinks it takes to get through each movie selection. At the end of the podcast, we'll rate the movie based on a scale of zero to five. Zero is a perfect film you can watch Stone Cold Sober, and five is a terrible film that you must be enjoying a Mexican standoff to enjoy. And right there, it says "Drunk on Blue, Blue Milk." Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit! In addition to Throwback. our review, we generally pair our selection with a cocktail that we hope will enhance the viewing experience. We invite you now to shake, stir, or mix the cocktail that we've chosen and settle in for what we hope will be an engaging review. With that, what gunslinging finale do we have for our Western movies this evening, Brandon? I see what you did there. And tonight we round out our Western series with the 1966 Italian epic spaghetti Western film directed by the one, the only, Sergio Leone. I would say the beautiful. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. That's the name of the film. The film stars Clint Eastwood as The Good, Lee Van Cleef as The Bad, and Eli Wallach as The Ugly. In the West... Southwest. There is a South, but also the West. (laughs) In the West turns Southern region of the United States during the American Civil... (laughs) I think it's actually more Arizona. (laughs) I don't think it was... well, anyway, in the Southwest, in the Southwest during the American Civil War, a mysterious unnamed stranger, even though he's going to be referred to as Blondie, and a Mexican outlaw named Tuco form an uneasy partnership as they search for a hidden treasure buried in a cemetery. Two hundred thousand dollars, which translated to nowadays a lot of money, shitload of money. Pursued by Angle Eyes. Angel Eyes. Oh, it's Angel Eyes. Sorry, I'm just reading the skipped. AKA the bad. The two meander through a myriad of dangers before taking a final stand in this epic and quite lengthy Clint Eastwood masterpiece. Very lengthy. I have a question. What do you do for the podcast other than watch the movie and take notes? You're leaning I'm all sorry. the way over here. Nothing. It's my portion. Nothing. You do nothing. Listeners, we are sharing a microphone because <laughs> somebody Sean forgot. forgot oh, oh, that was Sean. You can get in here. Yeah. Okay. I'll do okay. This I'm the half. So supporting each other. Look at this. Eddie, as, as we mentioned. Eddie. My favorite character is the alcoholic captain. <laughs> as um, we mentioned. 
Yes, I know. My, my line keeps getting shorter. So now it's like maybe like a, a line. Shaken, not stirred. Yeah, as we mentioned, with each movie, we try to pair the tone, feel, and overall impact of the story with, with a cocktail. Sometimes the drink will be referenced directly in the film, and other times the drink will be simply inspired by the film. Tonight, since this is Sean, has taken the lead on the cocktail. Sean, now you're up, Sean. <laughs> I think it's the blue milk of tattoo. Oh, it's just the script being Tonight, fucked up again. No, the script was not. It was wrong one so Angle far. Angle eyes. Gosh darn it. Tonight. <laughs> Angel has an E before the L, I everybody. I do not pretend to be good at spelling. Obviously. Tonight, we have a day, very dangerous cocktail. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The ugly is filled by a shot of tequila Cordoza Blanco. Oh, that's very devilish. The good, one <laughs> shot of... Ma- I'm sorry, Mezcal Blanco. Oh, that's very dangerous, too. And the the bad is represented by one shot of Aperol. Ooh, Aperol. Add all that to a little bit of lime juice and some simple sugar, and what you have is the The good, the bad, and the very, very drunk. I would say, and the fucked up at that point. (laughs) If you really want to take a risk, add a scorpion in there. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, You can find our recipes online at thegentlemanpodcast.com or on Instagram at the.gentlemanpodcast. Uh, Brandon, why don't you give us a little background on our review? So to continue to give uh, you a little background on our selection process for the second season, we're going to be reviewing movies that we, however, tenuously can link together by theme, actors, and or subjects. So as we have, we have the Western right now. Uh, Again, we are trying to keep to our mandate and review movies that shape how stories have been told throughout time and how we think they might be told on screen in the future. There's a lot more words on that. We, 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 we. We won't be talking about the movie straight through. Instead, we'll let our conversations flow naturally. That said, we'll be touching on different film aspects, including plot, characters, direction, director of photography, and anything else that might come up. I feel like like the movie that brings up to the us. Then so I feel like at. Go ahead. Oh, I can talk now. Yeah. Okay. Sharing a mic is, you know. You're tough. really leaning over in his space. I told you. I told you. This is not going to work. I love it. <laughs> I love Eddie. Anyway, I feel like at, at any point during this podcast, we can play that music because that's kind of what they did in the movie. Somebody's walking down the street. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Somebody's riding a horse. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Somebody's in a bathtub. Well, you make Somebody's, well done. Somebody's staring at someone for like a mid. Like the score is, is oh for a while. the score is pretty pupils. fucking amazing. Yeah, let's. I mean, let's start. So the first thing that struck me was the two hundred fifty or two, two hour and fifty seven. Wait, two hundred fifty seven minutes or two hours and fifty seven minutes? Uh, Netflix two says hours, two hours and fifty seven minutes. Which, if you do the math, I'm not. And right. I turned that on, and I went, "What the living god did we pick to do as a movie?" I was mad at. <laughs> I was mad at Sean. <laughs> Very and mad. It was my selection. I'm it sorry. was Sean's selection, and I saw that, and I said, "I hate you." And I have never seen it. I had never seen this movie. Have you ever seen this movie, Eddie? I never saw this movie as well. Brandon? Nope. Jared? I got, I got yeah, I've seen this movie. Oh, yeah. So Jeremy was the only one who had seen this movie. It's a classic. It's, I mean, it is. As one of our our, our listeners actually told me today, uh, a Clint Eastwood masterpiece, and she would marry Clint Eastwood if she could, even at eighty or ninety. I can't remember what age. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with the opening kind of sequence and soundtrack because I know Brandon you just made a joke about being being able to insert this anywhere, but they really did insert this very small piece of music in the whole movie and it Any worked. Time. I would argue that it didn't work at times. Most of the time it did. I'd say probably eighty percent of the time it was perfect. But then twenty percent, I literally looked at it and I was like, "Why now?" Well, let's talk about the composer. 
Annual. Morricone. 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 That that is like seriously one of the most timeless like scores that we have ever probably listened to. I mean, it's seriously it's in commercials to this day. It kind of changed how you do movie scores. You know, with electric guitar, it just had like this whole cool vibe to it. Dude, the guy's a legend, and he actually passed away a couple weeks ago. Oh, didn't even know that. Moment of silence, and we're back. Oh, what? What? <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit about that opening scene because when when I when I saw this, I'm not gonna lie, I went in this with a bad attitude. I did too. Me too. And I was like, oh god, this is it's been 15 minutes and all we see is eyes and well, staring the en- the and entrance, standing. Yeah, it was just yeah, like and, uh, hell of an entrance. And I'm like, well, these two people basically are, are uh, no, it starts with the three, Eli Wallach. Three, three yeah, people. Three coming coming in and and basically um, going into the saloon to get who we would come to find out is the ugly and Tuco. you you Tuco, and you have you go through this whole opening sequence and you're like let's go let's go <laughs> i think they want to show like kind of like just how dirty and how just not glorify the western was i mean you got to think about this before this movie it was all about like kind of like you know hey where are those pilgrims at you know the type of john wayne this kind of showed the really ugly side of the westerns i think it's pretty funny that the first 10 minutes of the movie there's no dialogue well, one of the things that I, I took note of right here, first note, um, is the fact that we, we break the fourth wall, with, which when we talk about that, it, you know, breaking the fourth wall when you have a character look directly at the camera and we see just direct eyes at us, it throws us off right from the get-go. It kind of has that disconcerting, he's staring right at us. And it also has, like, which is script a thro- on the screen, too. Right, which, I mean, if we want to get into film history, that's a complete um, riff off of The Great Train Robbery, which is one of the first American films ever made where you have the breaking of the fourth wall that made people freak out. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go YouTube it, The Great Train Robbery, and it's fantastic. But I think that there's a lot of kind of shadowings of that in this movie. And so for an Italian movie, it's really playing off of Western American conventions. And one of our mandates in, on this podcast, and something that we really have adhered to more, I think, in season two than we necessarily did in season one, is talking about how <clears throat> this, how movies that we're reviewing are impacting future movies, right? And I think that <clears throat> there's no doubt that this movie, being a spaghetti western, being what it was, influenced Tarantino, the Coen brothers. Scorsese. Scorsese. I mean, you look at this movie and you can see vestiges of the greatest directors of our generations of the, of the last 50 years in in the in the in the in the uh, the scenes in this definitely in this had a movie. huge impact with the like, yeah. film industry and everything like that. Gwen Stefani's band. No doubt. You got it. Ah. Anyway, so uh, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about. So we we we've got Eli Wallach as a character that's that he's introduced first. He's the ugly, and to me, I had to. I knew Eli Wallach was in this movie because uh, I had watched um, a couple of other things, and I watched The Holiday, uh, and he's in The Holiday. He's yeah. The man on the Holiday, which Brandon didn't really know that that was. <laughs> I love The Holiday more now. <laughs> Because I'm not a fan of the holiday. I had to look up as I'm watching this movie who he was. And I'm like, I know he's in this movie. He looked completely different than I've ever seen Ooh, him before. No, the upper lip was the same. The, the, but once I the, figured out yeah, it was him. It. Like once you told me, I'm like looking back going, yeah, yeah, that's him. It, it, but it took me a minute to figure mm-hmm. it out. What, I, what I'm wondering is um, what you guys think of making his character, uh, Tuco, kind of in a lot of ways, not the hero, but a hero in the film. And if you listen to when he's, uh, I know we haven't gotten into the story yet, but when he's being read the different things that he's found guilty of, I mean, the dude is a bad guy. Um, and I, I, it's, to me, it's interesting that he, spoiler alert, gets away at the end, and that in a lot of ways he becomes a hero. Um, and I also got a question to you guys later on as far as, 
is Blondie really the good character? Well, see, that was my that was my first question. And I think that I'm watching this whole thing, and Eddie, I'm going to get out of your space in just a second. But to me, I'm watching this whole thing, and I'm thinking Tyler Durden, and I'm thinking antihero, and I know that I'm not saying that as a joke. I'm th- saying that cinemata- uh, cinematographically, that you know, we got to really consider. Are these characters people that we want to root for? Because we end up doing that. I don't think we're rooting the characters in these movies because actually everyone has like the good, the bad, and the ugly inside them. I mean, like you said, Blondie, is he good? I don't think he's good. In the movie, he's he's the one who kills more people than anyone during the movie. But they label that at the beginning and they label it at the end that this is the good, right? And to me, I'm not not trying to get all noble or anything because I enjoy the hell out of the movie. Um, And I would definitely say that Blondie, Clint Eastwood's character, he's the good guy. But I was watching it going, is he really good? <laughs> no. And I think that's kind of, I do think that's the point, is that there's no real good or bad or ugly. I think that they are all part of it. But when they when he throws up the, the label literally on screen, I think it does take a little bit away from that. I think he has, he's playing his part, though. He knows he has to, he can't be good in this type of world because his friend dragged him across the desert and pretty much... It didn't even give him water at all, and he was like, "That's Tuco. Like Tuco, why would he do that?" Right? So Tuco's Tuco, so, yeah. Oh, so he lets him go. No, he lets him so go. It pissed me off, but he lets him go at the very let's, end. Let's he, let's he examine paid, the good. He, the, he repaid the favor. Let's examine the good, the bad. So it was it was a friendship. Wait, before a we friendship. do that, in the director's cut, actually, he does not let him go. Actually, he actually puts him, leaves him in a noose. Actually. As he walks away, I watched what Netflix had me watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I watched what Netflix. I'm had just me letting you know, like you know, like to your to your report, like no, he doesn't let him like Scott's free. <laughs> I, I, I don't think you should. Scott to be honest. free. I would have been. <laughs> well, we're, we're talking about a drinking thing here, so it could be Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, it was Scott. What is Scott's from the very beginning? Oh, the good, he he, he could see Tuco. Like he was all in it for the money. Like he gave him the the tombstone, and he instantly left him high and dry as soon as he got the chance. And he knew that was going to happen. So to me, also, you had kind of characters that were multi layered, and that's what I think worked in this movie. Is you had Tuco, who I you know he was labeled as the ugly because I think he was the most boisterous. He was the most uh, dirty, the most gritty, the most the least. Yeah. Um, he was less refined exactly. than either of the other two. The, the least, uh, yeah, uh, skilled among them. And then you had. But the dude could shoot. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I think that that's really interesting that we didn't really get to see uh, the bad and how good he was as a, as a, a gunfighter. But we of, saw the other two, and they were you, damn good. You kind of got the idea of why Angel Eyes was the bad or why that, that uh, gentleman was the bad. Uh, what was his name, Cliff? Uh, uh, Lee Van Cliff. Lee Van Cliff. Why he Sintenzo was... Sentenza. Or, or Angel Eyes. Eyes. Oh, the there is an A there. What, why Angel he was Eyes. the bad, though, Angel if you Eyes. look... Um, and it kind of brings us to the second scene of the movie. So the first scene, you've got you have the establishment of the ugly. The second uh, scene, you have the establishment of angel eyes. And he goes into this farm in the middle of nowhere where there's this family, this father, these two kids and the mother. No dialogue. No dialogue. And it was it was beautiful. It was yeah. a, it, how Tarantino-ish. It, it just it how really Tarantino-ish. It didn't think you like Inglorious Bastards oh right there God, for a second? I saw Inglorious Bastards. I saw, I saw Kill Bill, too. Um, I mean, I, I watched this whole movie, and I'm a huge Tarantino fan, and I saw this whole movie as just something that Tarantino riffed off of beautifully. Well, I think Tarantino does a great job. But, I mean, Tarantino, he's a, he's a cinephile. He loves movies. But I, I don't think I've ever seen a movie so beautifully captured again by somebody else as this movie was by Tarantino later on. The intense in that scene, too, by the way, you know something's going to happen. You're just waiting for someone to actually break the ice in that first part when the bat comes in. And I, I was selfish when I was watching this because I was like, let's go. Give me dialogue. Get into this fucking movie. <laughs> oh, no. No, and I, was, I got frustrated. And then after he 
he's sitting at the table and they're eating together and they finally break the ice and they talk about how there's okay there's some there's something that's been robbed and he's looking for the name of the guy who robbed it and he's trying to get he's trying to get some information I'm like i don't need, you know and it, it occurred to me i don't know what this movie's even about and basically it's about three guys trying to find a treasure yep I mean, simply put and they will do anything for it Anything, anything, anything. They would do anything for They'll it. Do right. Whatever the good or the bad, the ugly, to get that. And 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 then I'm thinking, okay, so you've got Angel Eyes who snap the <laughs> Angel Eyes who killed the kid and that killed was hardcore and and didn't even blink, didn't even stop, didn't, and that's why he's the bad because he is uh, to me represents the worst there is in the Western gunslinger, the Western gunfighter. And then you have Tuco who will do anything. Look at what he did to get his gun with the guy. Um, at the shop later on in the in the yeah. scene, he's almost like oh, uh, a rabid dog, like like a, just like uh, unpredictable. Yeah, he'll do anything ugly. And I feel like Clint Eastwood is the mo- The reason he's Cleanish. the good is exactly he's the most dependable. He's the compared mo- to others. He, right? Compared in, to others, in, exactly. Yeah. He will do exactly what he is expected to do every time. He and you said he has the best, biggest body count. Yeah, yeah, because there's no question. He fucking unloads on everybody. Let's, he just kills them. Let's talk about when they actually you first see like you know Clint Eastwood into that screen, like the first one when he actually does like kind of like that showdown with those three guys when they're trying to to hang Tuco. I mean, shit, he just shot, fucking took three guys down, three yeah. guys out. It was like the coolest thing ever. And then, he, well, my favorite is when he shoots the hats off. Oh God, no! I was just about <laughs> to talk about that. I want to hear your your take on that because I got something. I think Eddie's got something, and Eddie's upset that you just keep barging into his space. <laughs> Remember your fucking microphone, Sean, and <laughs> then we won't have this it's happen. It's totally my fault. I, I was, I'm agreeing with you, Sean. With the very, it's like, let's go in the very beginning of the movie. It's like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. But for me, it didn't change. It just kept going that way. I was like, oh, my God. There was parts. I'm like, oh, that was awesome. But then it became another drag for me. Mm-hmm. And we're like, let's go again. Oh, that's awesome. But then it became another drag. I felt like, for example, in the very end, there was a stare down that I felt like it took like nine minutes. So At you- first, I enjoyed the first three minutes of it. <laughs> but then I was like, this is still going on. Oh man, I, so you, I, I can't. We'll talk about it later. You didn't on. appreciate. You didn't appreciate the long cuts. You didn't appreciate the overly it. long. A cuts. A little bit was fine, but they kept doing it over and over See, and over again. And and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna say this. This movie was 1966. Six. Six. You're talking about, I believe, the beginning of artistic filmmaking. You had Lawrence of Arabia, 1962. Uh, where you had these big wide open shots, you had these the film change, and all of a sudden it wasn't about the people, it was about the drama, it was about creating these emotion, I think, through image without words, exactly. And I think that what, what really I, I'm not gonna say he got carried away because I love this movie, but he did get carried away in the length of time that it took to get places. And I think, Jerry, you and me are on the same page, so a friend of the show, um. We were talking about it earlier, and I think there are a few movies that I, I say would could, could go another hour, and I'd be happy. Um, and this is one of those movies that I, if this went another hour, and we just had more beautiful, quick cut, long takes between eyes and hands on on uh, about to pull a, the gun out of the, the holster, I would take it. I think that there's intention behind it. It's such a build of tension and suspense, and it's done so beautifully. Well, we see that at the beginning kind of gunfight. Um, where Blondie comes in and knocks down those three guys, and we see that again at the end, where you have this kind of Mexican standoff thing, and which and is gorgeous. It's so beautiful, it's fucking and gorgeous. It is long, it is long, it is long it but so it's long, also done so well. But I think the reason it was so long is to let the music play out too. The because, same song kept playing though. But it wasn't the same song. No, it was like this. Yeah, it was this. There it was, was two, this build. Two, like. It was this long classical guitar. Yeah, certain times know. they should have done it. 
certain I, other I times, agree, but I feel like yeah. I almost feel like it was like movie was thirty minutes too long for me. I agree thirty minutes. Like, it was a little yeah, bit too long for me in areas. I can see that. Um, going back to the first convo, I have this written, written down in my notes, but I have Glorious Bastards, but then I also have Han and Han and Greedo. You guys ever get that that, that vibe? Of like yeah, I I, I got the conversation, and then just all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the gun shot, and we, just to me, it was just such a a, a moment. That has been copied throughout film. Well, history. and Brandon, you and I have talked a lot about how to open a movie, right? How to open a sh- how to open a story, how to open a book. And one of my favorite ways that we do, or that you can do it, is to have two characters talking about something that nobody else knows about. No, like you have no history, you just delve into a conversation as though both of them know why they're there. They're talking about something, and you're like. What now? What? And not to go What's back to Tarantino on? all the time, but I think that we see that in Glorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. We see that in Reservoir Dogs. Where we have this this kind of thrust into this world, and you don't have a time to just get comfortable with it, right? In, in literary studies, we call that in medias res, meaning we just are starting in the middle of things, and, and that's what we get here. And what the beautiful thing about this movie is, is that people don't know that this is a prequel to the trilogies. Actually, there's that's a fistful of dollars. There's a fistful of dollars. And a few dollars more. A few dollars more. But this is actually a prequel before those movies. It was the third one in the series, yeah, series but, but it was so it's done as a prequel, prequel to the story, sense. which is really pretty awesome. Sense. So, Didn't even know that. And one of the things I love about uh, literature is uh, if you look at some my, – my favorite stories is when you as the reader are learning at the same time as the main character. And I felt like as an audience member for the first time on film in a long time on movies that I've watched, I'm actually learning – the story of the good, the bad, and the ugly of what's going on as everyone else is. And I think that's kind of cool. I don't know. It was kind of cool. Uh, so we kind of go from the angel eyes killing the getting the information. So he gets a couple of information. He gets the, the fact that Bill Carson is the name of the guy who basically has has the loot. Has the a tri- loot. Yeah. We've got he's been hired by this one fool that was part of the Confederate Army, I believe. Baker. Yeah. Um, and, and then we also have so there's basically three of them who stole the money. And we've got Baker and Bill as two of those parties. The third, I believe, is the man sitting at the table. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, you're right, you're right, right. So when he kills him, now only two people know the secret, so he's basically eliminating the people who know the secret so that he can go get the treasure. And that was pretty hardcore, man, where he actually goes, well, I always go through my promises and whatnot with like the deals I get, and shoots the guy in the face, man. More than that, though, the guy offers him $1,000, and I, at first, mistakenly thought it was $1,000 not to kill him, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. It was $1,000 to kill Baker on the other end. So he knew that whatever was going to happen at the end of it, like he was like, you know what? I'm still going to bring that guy down. With exactly. Me. I love that. And to me, that was a subtlety that you might have not caught the first time you watched this movie. And I think to Eddie's point, I was so distracted by the longness of it that I, I missed some of it. And I wish that I had had a better mentality going into it. I almost wish I knew what it was about. Like, I remember I watched Casablanca for the first time. And for the first third of the movie, I'm thinking, what the freaking hell is this movie about and then it, all of a sudden i got it and i the same way with this one it's like you kind of need to know what it's about before you're going didn't in. it have like a kind of like a comic book vibe to it like it's just really, like this a al- graphic novel a yeah, graphic novel like this alive feeling like especially just how the italian director was his name sergio sergio I mean, yeah. he's done amazing stuff you know regarding to like other movies like you know once upon a time in the west i mean he's got a, a really good resume man especially like you know unusual type of films i think this is this is terrible to admit but i went in going this is going to be a terrible movie it's going to be kind of you know something to make fun of um you know poor quality but i want to talk about the the filmmaking like the actual 
like the cinematography, the, the, the cinematography, the, yeah. the de- what I, what the way I the loved, scenes were built, the details. So we talked about you know um, the bad, you know uh, what's his name, Angel Eyes, Sintenza, yeah, a- Angel Eyes. Uh, one of the things I loved about detail, the detail oriented, right? After he shoots the guy in the face, we see the detail of the blood on the pillow with the bullet hole. Um, and then jumping way ahead into the future of the, the movie, which is about two hours at this point. Um, maybe seven, I'm not sure. But we have when um, when Tuco is breaking the chains in the train, which to me, we can talk about that scene for days. Uh, but he takes the, 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 one of the things I loved was the detail of the train carried the body on the tracks up ahead right it's not like something just kind of not thought out they, he literally leon thought about how would this body be carried by the tracks and carried and i'm gonna, detail go, was I'm, gonna beautiful. Go, I'm gonna go a step further i feel like for the first time maybe not the first time because i keep using that and that's probably not true but for a first time these directors especially sergio right now in, in this movie felt like they had the artistic freedom to expand the story away from the script. So there's a great movie called It Happened One Night. It was made in the 30s. And it's all dialogue. It's like 99% dialogue. And I feel like for for the first time in film in the 60s, the director started to go, oh my God, we don't need to say everything that everyone's doing. We can actually show their emotion or show the tone with what's going on on screen without without actually speaking. And that's why it's themed as a spaghetti western because these were maverick filmmakers actually doing a different way, a different country doing a different take on, you know, that traditional western films and taking it to a whole different level. Contrast that with, with Quentin Tarantino though, who is probably one of the best um, back and forth, what do you call, uh, dialogue people in the world, but he uses pauses and silence and scene way more than any other director. Like, Almost to the point where, like you said, Eddie, it's just disgusting. Like, stop. Like, move on. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like I do see, like, a lot of Quarantino aspects. Like, Quarantino? What yeah. the hell are you Quinn. saying? Quinn. Quinn Quarantino. <laughs> That's how I call his name. If you're listening, come come find I me. I love you, Quentin. I would, I would no, but I, love to like, meet you. How, like, it just reminded me of, like, a lot of about his movies. And so I feel like, okay, I see where this is going. I feel like this this is, like, the beginning of where it's all started. Um, I just, yeah. there was, there was an area though with Tuco where he, I felt like he was uh, kind of a shitty friend personally, how I felt like. Well, he was a terrible friend. Well, they were yeah. never friends. Well, it no, made, they, I felt they like, were uneasy like business yeah. Clint Eastwood, I feel like he, he, he treated him as a friend. Not even. I he felt like he did. I, I'm he on the side here. No, no, he, he's re- he rescued him, only to he actually use him as bait. Seriously. I mean, that's, as bait. you're wrong, Ed. <laughs> I no, I'm with that. I think I think he, he's dragging had, him along. He's bringing right. his little buddy around. They had like, like a, a deal going where he, he would collect the bounty, and Eli Wallach or Tuco or the Ugly would get hung, and he would save him nice. at the end. And there was kind of a relationship. And even when he ended that, even end. when he ended that relationship, mm-hmm. and he said, "This ain't working anymore. You're never going to be worth more than three thousand dollars." <laughs> He gave he gave him he says seventy miles back to town or whatever it was it wasn't the that same that was a death sentence no was it yes, he that knew was he a death was. sentence yes, he, he knew was. he would survive but I will say that after having the movie Thank you, Sean. all seven so hours of the movie he dragged him across through. the desert other way around and he didn't fucking kill him after he was let go by the way let's talk about the the, the makeup of him blistered and burned oh, in the so sun so good but I want to come back and I do think that okay so from from the forty five minute mark. He is such a damn good looker. Thank you. Uh, I would, I would I can't make out. I can't live up to Clint Eastwood. So listen, um, I think though that 
I don't think that they were friends up until the point that he let him go the first time. I don't think they were friends. That's but not I do think that over the course of the next two hours of the movie, literally, that they be they did become friends. And so when he does director's cut or not, when he does, when he he does shoot down Tuco at the end, right? That's kind of the hey, all the shit that happened in the past, I forgive you. Hopefully you forgive me, even though you know the movie literally ends with Tuco screaming after you, you're a son of a bitch. Um, so I'm going to go one further than that. I think, please do. I think the t- first 20 minutes or 25 minutes of the movie were to show the animus between all three characters. Yeah. But they all also had a respect for each other. And it might have been... The bad? Yeah, I think the bad the had bad respect had a for... The bad had respect for Blondie, and he also knew Tuco in mm-hmm. another different type of life, you know? I'll give you that. And think about Tuco. I mean, Tuco's like a bad penny. He just always kept showing up. He, I mean, he always kept just... You were stupid, though, thinking that he was just going to drop off the face of the earth, so when he shows up at the grave at the end, yeah. like, oh, he's there. What yeah. the hell? I'm like, of course he's like, there. Like, did you read the script? I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that there was like a cat and mouse between all three of them, and it reminds me of some other movies. It reminds me of kind of Honor Among Thieves, like the idea that they're, uh, they're, they're doing, they're, they're planning this big sting essentially to, to get this money out of the cemetery they all don't trust each other they all don't like each other but they kind of need each other to get through the paces i'll say respect i'm thinking about it i would say they respect each other they don't like each other but they respect each other and i think probably one of the reasons is they don't like each other because they're terrified of how good the other person is um, but one thing though i think that it's interesting we don't really see a whole lot of the bad we don't see how good of a a gunfighter he is, which I don't think he really was, which is why he gets just completely plastered at the end. Um, and I think it's interesting that that we really kind of show him as kind of the outskirts of the story, where we have so much focus on the good and the ugly. I don't know. Did you say he was a good gunfighter? Because he was really bad at the end. Because he wasn't a really good gunfighter. He no, used he used people, and he no, just no. happened to he he pulled you in, and then he just got you when you weren't looking. I'm glad like we're sharing a it. microphone because we agree on this, even though you didn't hear me. No, I, I mean, and look at how many you people read, you started with saying how the. Great gunfighter. No, 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 how great he was per- perceived as. Okay. I, I so, and I think Angel Eyes. I think Angel Eyes as a character needed. He needed a posse, right? He needed yes. those people. Yeah, I agree. And he, how many bring in like six or seven to try well, and get this done? We see that when he shoots the guy oh, off on the outskirts. Right, right. They're both sleeping, and we see that he doesn't even trust himself and his ability to not bring around the six people. With that being said, I know we're jumping way ahead, but how stupid. To basically give somebody that is under your control at that point and under arrest, and you're kind of being led by that person, a gun. So I think anybody. That, why would wait, he are you talk about uh, a Clint Eastwood? Like you know, just why would he be? Let's, because let's he because he knows that he's not going to kill him. He's actually like he feels like you know whatever I'm going to do, I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to tell him anything because the moment I tell him something, I'm dead. So Clint Eastwood, he knows Clint is good. Let, let me let me uh, <laughs> let me let me let me catch us up on plot because I feel like we're going all over the place. Okay, ah. so uh, first of all, it's, oh. I can't get up. The you know why I actually do that, Barrett? By the way, it's supposed to be a howling wolf. Yeah. I mean, a howling like you know. The, the, you know. What, I wasn't sure if it goes up three times or two times. Two times. Three times. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, that's that's not three. That's two. two. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Okay, so that's two. <laughs> I thought it was wow, 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 wow. All right. Anyway, let's catch us up on plot because I feel like we're getting a little out of control. I think we're just talking about the movie, Sean. So we've got uh, the good and the ugly, and they have this racket. They break up their band. Uh, the basically, Yoko Ono. He sends Tuco 
on his own. The good then just kind of goes off on his own. They reunite, uh, and that's when Tuco takes Clint, or uh, the man with no name, through the desert, and he gets Blondie. all busted up. His damn name is Blondie. Blondie. And they meet, a, they meet a, a, a wayward coach that's being drug ahead by a bunch of horses. Yeah, we find out that Bill Carson's inside exactly. that coach. Exactly, and Bill Carson shares the secret of where the treasure is with Tuco at first, but not all of it, and then with the rest of it with Blondie. The meat and potatoes with Blondie, so actually. So if you are dying and you have the knowledge of $200,000... All he wanted was a glass of water. Would you give it? Like, would you... Would you or would you take that to the grave? I'm, I'm, I'm being am serious. I dying? Do I think no, I'm dying? No, like you're, I think you he think thought he could survive. You really think so? I thought he was like, I'm done. Here's some info for you guys. Oh, if I'm dying? No, that's just going with me to the grave. <laughs> so uh, now I know, I know, Sean, you're going to be upset because uh, you are the host and you are. Throwing... I am not the host. We are co-hosts. All four of us are co-hosts. Are you sure about that? We have a lot of listeners in New York that think like Sean's the host. Actually, I am he's not, not a host. host. We're co-hosts. We're all hosts. Even the half of us. We're all. We all park our cars in the same garage. Also, British Columbia. <laughs> Shout out, BC. Um, no, okay. So this is a real question that I had, and I wrote it down in my notes because I wanted to ask you guys because I was was sitting here and watching this movie, and, and this was kept thinking over and over and over. And I want to get your opinion. If you were walking around the West carrying a gun, would you carry it on your shooting side or across on the other side? I think this needs a drink to answer. I think we should pause here and drink. Okay, while we're paused, I want you at home to think, or in the car, but don't drink, because you're <laughs> stupid. <laughs> you're not stupid. People are stupid. Oh, my God, this damn drink. <laughs> anyway, what side would you wear your gun on? And by. Sean and his posse. <laughs> I don't like posses. Uh, <laughs> don't be such a posse over there. <laughs> okay, so anyway, tell me. Okay, about so wait, wait, wait. Brandon had a question before Wade. the break. Brandon, okay. Brandon had a question. I'll start us in. Yeah. Okay, so we're back right now, and I am hoping that you guys all thought about your answer to which side of your body, gun side or or uh, gun shooting side or or not gun shooting side, would you wear your gun? Eddie. Right side. I don't know what you are. Are you left-handed, right-handed? Tell the people. All right. Well, I'm very short. Would you cross a, very across small. your body? I would definitely do it right on the side of my right side, but I would do it like exactly how Clint Eastwood did it. That he had a little open little slash. I don't know if you're left-handed or right-handed. No, I'm right-handed, yo. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to go and I have like a little, little open slash in my pocket and actually be all cool and shit what like that. What the fuck are you talking about? No, he would, he, what he's saying is he would have the gun no. already, already drawn like Clint Eastwood. So you would have it on your shooting. Yeah, yeah. I would be the Which, other by side. By the way, they, already, they, they did that also in Breaking Bad because I just watched that show all over again. Okay, God we're not, we're not talking COVID. about this. Um, but no, but seriously, uh, that, I think that's a good good methodology. So I'm on your right side. Right side, I would be a sneaky bastard. Ed, what's your answer? So the idea, what I've realized is, I've done the study about this. All the great ones, all the great ones, they're lefties. Just no one's expecting it from the left side. So I would, you have to get the the person that you're about to have a gunfight with think that you're a righty. Mm -hmm. So make it look like they're looking towards the right side. But you also have a fucking lefty without them knowing it. So you have three, personally. Okay? (laughs) You have one behind your back, and you have one on the right side, one on your left side, but you 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 have your hand on the right side, but you, right it's actually your left hand that you're, you're drawing. And then okay. you have to do a little tilt oh to the left. Oh my God, in that case, I draw with my right <laughs> foot. Jesus. Hey, hey, this don't... is why you die in the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your, your premise, Brandon, you would be dead. You have to outthink the fucking... And I would never be walking around in the Old West. I'd set up, I'd have a bar, I'd have a club. I would be in, I you know... I think, okay, my answer was, I think that I would reach 
across. You cross. You die. Cross. I think I'm saying it. I think, I, think I would. I would reach. You can't reach. You're done. I think I would cross draw. I would. People, leave it in the comments. So my uh, my answer is very simple. I would have two guns. One, one for, for each of you. Fucking Doc Holiday. Fuck you, you guys taking Doc Holiday out there. I, I, honestly, no. this this so, question had me going for 20 minutes in okay, the movie. Well, uh, here's what so I would probably do. Missed is 20 I would, minutes of this I, movie. I'm all about options. So I would probably set up an, uh, a regular draw and a cross draw just in case I had to maneuver during a, a you fight. You do like to change things up, yeah. don't you? So, so I'm going to cross draw. Exactly. But, take but right you side. know damn well that I wouldn't be walking around in the heat in the wild, wild west. He would have I would his be, own saloon. Yeah. He would wild, have his own bar. He would be drinking, cigar smoking. Oh, we should have a cigar right I'd now. I'd be a rich so motherfucker. I was actually <laughs> so no one really knows back in the time. Everyone thinks, oh, he, he must have been the fast drawer. No, you just get the edge on the person. Right. Meaning you fucking, you pull way before they face say, okay, on three. Okay, one, bam. Yeah. Like, or, you don't fucking wait for or three. Or you have, Be you know, a sneaky yeah. fucking because, drawer, man. Because Legend Hamilton, and that's not how they do it. Legend. They have 11, nine <laughs> steps, nine <laughs> steps, okay? Legends aren't made of accuracy. You know, like it's, <laughs> legends are just made up shit. You know, overall, the people that we know about, Guaranteed they were shady fucking asses. That's not what Han- Sandlot told me. <laughs> like Billy the Kid? Wait, Legends last name? forever. Legends, Legends last, last forever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back to the movie. We've got Tuco and Blondie, and they're traveling together. They each know part of the secret. And uh, they go to the missionary, actually, right? They go, yeah. Well, um, yeah. So all the kids. his actual brother, the brother. Hold on. What's oh. missionary? <laughs> I don't know. They go to a church missionary, right? It's just a mission. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Missionary is a position. <laughs> I've been seeing that the wrong time this whole time. Yeah, and all the women are looking at you like, did you really just say that right now? Uh, he got to the missionary. He God. went to the missionary, positioned on the hill. <laughs> They're all going to laugh at you. We're losing all our Catholic viewers. <laughs> <laughs> all four of them from British Columbia. No. BC, they're, they're progressive up I there. Like, no, there's more than that. Thank you, British Columbia, for listening. Yeah, yeah. Dude, anyway, grateful, thank you for New York. Grateful, grateful for, for, for all our listeners. <laughs> yeah, shit, man. You two in Philadelphia. So East, tu- West Philadelphia. Basic, born born and raised. raised. So basically, Tuco <laughs> has, been, yeah, has, been, <laughs> has been dragging the blondie across across the fucking desert. Dick move for being a dick friend. <laughs> I'm trying to make it through this three-hour movie. And uh, just talk about shit. Anyway, so... Then uh, he, he they meet with Bill, right, Bill? So what happens is Bill gives the secret out to yeah. Blondie, and Blondie's like, you're going to have to actually protect me. <laughs> and so Tuco <laughs> brings him to the fort. They pretend that they're Civil War people. I love that, though, when they're like, oh, it looks like it's Confederates for sure because they're wearing gray. <laughs> they're just dusty. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Anyway, so they end up at the mission where uh, Tuco's bro- Tuco meets his brother, and they rehabilitate... Uh, Blondie to basically go back out into the world. I sleep that's, better knowing that's my Father Pablo Ramirez. <laughs> Father Pablo Ramirez. Father Pablo Ramirez. No, I, do. Oh, I didn't know they were fathers. So do you know who the first people in mm-hmm. Ireland to brew beer were? Yeah. The uh, monks. That's who? right. The monks. So I know we talked about the missionary. This. Okay, I fine. <laughs> shut shut up. <laughs> Fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you. So, no, I I know I mentioned it earlier, but I, to me, I kept being just like shocked in a good way, shocked and shocked and shocked by just how well made this movie was. Like, I honestly was expecting like a 10th grade film project, um, you know, where where it just wasn't good quality, but you look at the makeup on Lenny Eastwood when he was sunburned and, and just. Dehydrated. It, it the looked detail, great. The details were very good, and and the only criticism I have is the length. And I could look past the length once you got really to this point. 
the length didn't bother me anymore. All of a sudden, I, I kind of expected yeah, Ed, you were part of it. You were part of the story. That's, what, of the story. Yeah. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> the length didn't bother you anymore. The part that I didn't talk about that you talked about earlier, Sean. That this kid's about the ugly cocktail, by the way, is just fucking only have one, people. The second one makes you. This go, is like surfer on acid. Yeah. Am I right, Jer? <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Well, I remember that you. night. No, no. So one the of the dumbest things coming out of my mouth. I right didn't now. get a chance to uh, to 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 tell you, Sean, how wrong you are. Oh. Uh, earlier, but the shooting the hats off the people was probably the dumbest thing that I've Whoa. ever seen, and they did it twice. That's the best thing. They did it twice. Fucking cool. It reminded me of Odd Job. It reminded me of James Bond. It reminded me of all these like oh, anti-heroes. So heroes oh, anti-heroes. I'm yeah, quitting. I'm not so talking anymore. The rest of this hour. Somebody, Thank God. If somebody shot the hat off of your head, you will. You will stop. not do anything for the rest of the fucking night. No, you know what would happen? My head would explode. No. <laughs> no, he just he just got the it's a ten gallon. No, I hat. know exactly. He just, just a tip. It must have been a thirty gallon hat. <laughs> just a tip. Just a tip. Oh, and then when he's like, spoiler alert, when the bad dies and he's like, I'm going to shoot his hat into the grave and with his him gun. and his gun <laughs> because they were like, what the fuck are you doing? No, we no, we talked about a little bit with three ten to Yuma. You talked about uh, Hollywoodization, and you had Maverick, which is a very Hollywoodized Western movie. Was it? I felt like <laughs> I felt like this movie started the trend of kind of. Being artistic, oh. so so this was an artistic expression of how badass someone was that I thought was really effective. I think it's a joke a little bit now. I wouldn't call it artistic; I call it more of a joke. Yeah, yeah but I think it also changed the way how we see, see Western and cinematic gunplay and everything like that with every type of like movie it, going forward. I, I agree with you. I do think that this is absolutely artistic. I think that this was a smudge on the artistry. That's just my opinion, and I understand that. I think that he took he probably. A beer in my phone at the same time. Uh, he probably took a little liberty with the with with the quality of of the shooting off of the hats and the guns, and there was a lot. I mean, there was a lot of that kind of flary stuff. I mean, fucking Tuco had a his gun on a leash around his neck. I love that <laughs> in the bathtub. Do you know yeah. why? Do you know why? No, because uh, Eli Wallach had trouble pulling it out of the holster. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so cool. So he always thing- died twice making this movie. By the way, yeah. Well, if you look at the, the well, we'll train, get there. Well, the, train. The, Are we going to get there? Yeah. Okay. In hour three of this podcast, <laughs> well, we'll get there. No, one thing, though, that the, uh, I'm just going to vent all my two frustrations of this movie. And there's only two. One, shooting off the hats. Two, uh, something that just bothers me when I watch any movie, and we saw this in 310 to Yuma. Uh, we see this all the time and actually have in my notes, Stormtroopered. Um, it's the bad guys, the quote-unquote bad guys, can't shoot worth a shit, and, and the good guys can't. And it just bothers me how literally... Every time the good guys or Clint Eastwood and, and Tuco shoot at somebody, they hit their target. So I, and I, the bad guys miss every I single time. I read a five-page article about this. Okay, get some life. COVID, bro. Oh, I get it. So I wrote a five. I, re- I wrote. I read a five-page article about this, and 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 here's what the article basically argued: is that if you were a good shooter at the time, you wouldn't be part of the bad posse. You would be the one trying to go get gold. You would be the one trying to because you could shoot. You had a skill in the old west. Or you led your posse. Or you led your posse, but you had a, a skill in the old west that made you better than everyone else. And in the old west, there was basically two ways: you were a farmer, or you were a gunslinger, bank robber. You know, I'm not. I'm saying from a movie perspective. There's two types of people in this There's world. Two types. <laughs> a shitload of two. There's types those of that could shoot and those, those that can't. Dig and those that dig. So let me also ask, ask you this question because I would love to. And I do plan on watching this movie at least once more a in your bunch life. more in my life. Um, how many cigars 
cigarettes, cigarettes, whatever we're going to call them. How many did he actually he smoke? He does not like. He hated him. He hated it. Well, I'm just, his character. I'm sorry. Probably uh, one a scene, so probably twelve or fifteen. He, he was lighting up every lesson, everything. He's and everything was a stub. <laughs> the movie was three hours long, so he, I mean, he every ten minutes. So the way he actually did it, though, the actually uh, the, How do you the way like he liked match? it. I know you uh, you mastered that, Jeremiah. I have actually mastered yeah. when so I there, this there was a couple. So there was a couple. There's a couple of scenes in movies where they light something, or they light a cigarette, or they light yeah. like to me. Whoever can do those things are so ahead. I'll show you how to okay, do it. Please. Oh, you don't have to whisper that. You can actually ask. I want to know how to do it, Jerry. I was just doing being character. I'll show you how to do oh, it. Oh, thank you. Thank I'm you. always afraid it's going to hurt my thumb. No, you're good. <laughs> it's, like, it's hot. <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> and I'm like, the, of the four of us, I'm the only smoker. How? Well, you're you not realize really that? Smoker. You smoke cigars. That's cigars. Not smoker. That, I love all We do not condone India. nicotine, everybody. So Unless it's in. <laughs> how badass was Tuco when he ate the cigar? What part was that? Yeah. He, no, no. He, he put the cigar in his mouth. Was that he was in the POW? Yeah. No, this was earlier. This is earlier. Earlier? Early. It was oh, early. It, yeah, Blondie put the cigar in his mouth and yeah. he chomped and he like, oh, no, it was, like, that guy's badass. It was when he said 70 miles uh, to the yeah. last town. It was maybe, when, yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. Watch it back and, and comment. It's so funny. It's just funny how they were on the Confederate and then also on the Union on both sides. And and they were like, warned. Bad luck. They were uh, Sergio, uh, Sergio? Sergio Leone? Sergio was warned that yeah. a, a, a Civil War movies suck. Yeah, by, by, a, by what director? Wells, uh, Wells? Yeah, Orson Welles, I think. Orson Welles, yeah, he told him, like, don't make a Civil War movie. Civil War movies aren't doing good right now. Don't do it, don't do it. Orson Welles. But this One wasn't, uh, two. This wasn't really, I would say, a Civil War movie. I would say this is definitely just a I, heavy Western. I love in that. The Civil War I love that part of, like, hurrah, the, you know, the God hates the Union or something like that. And he goes, what does he say? And God is not on our side because he hates idiots or something like that. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. So basically, they get picked up by the Union? No, they get uh, picked up by the, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the Union. The Union. And they get brought to the camp, and who's there but Angel Eyes, and he's basically in charge of the camp. Would you believe that? Smart. He's got that his, one got uh, me. When he was like Union soldier, and not only that, but like a badass Union soldier, it added a whole new dynamic. And, and th- I think this is one thing where long movies succeed, is that they bring in, if they're done Multi-layers. Long, multi-layered. But there's always something, I don't want to call it a surprise or a shock or a twist, but they bring in something new for us to consider every 15, 20 minutes. And I think this movie really does succeed that. Even with the long, the long shots and the long, long takes and then the, you know, like Eddie, you were talking about the, the long scenes of just cutting back and forth in it. This and as movie much, does it well. And as much as this movie wasn't a Civil War movie, I do believe it had a critique of the Civil War because it showed both the North and the South being Fed up with the freaking war. And both of them were like, "Let yeah." And both were really bad groups of people at, yeah. at times. I mean, yeah. they talk about it with the union, you know, like you know, do you think they actually give a, give a shit about us in Andersonville? And Andersonville was actually like one of the worst like POWs. I visited right. and, that when and, I and lived there in the Civil War. Yeah, like, ten thousand people died. Yeah, I didn't understand though the whole uh, sounds of missiles dropping. Like it wasn't cannon fire. Mm, it sounded like it was coming from like a like a bomb dropping from the sky. That it was a little inaccurate for my uh, own. That oh, small part. Uh, no, I, I think that. I think you have I think you're right on. But once again, I think that the director 1966. But no, it sounded no, like it was planes but, dropping. But I think bombs. this is yeah. the first time the directors had all of this technology, all this art at their fingertips, yeah. and they could do just cool shit before they couldn't do cool shit. 
I, I really believe that. Speaking of cool shit, I want to talk about Blondie and how damn a good shooter he is, a sharpshooter. The dude's a sharpshooter with a cannon. Right when Tuco's running off on his own, and he just happened to have a cannon just, right next to me. That, we're talking about the end of the movie. He knows right? how to aim it, and with I'm like, cigar, you can't even have the whole unit. Right? Like, doesn't even aim. He doesn't even aim. But it's it, but it. it's also kind of like kind of a fun play type of situation because you even heard the music like, wow, like oh, it's like here we go. You know, this is the venture part. This is what's going to happen. Of course, he has a lighter. I mean, of course, he has a cigar. Of course, there's a fucking canyon right there, and it's loaded and ready. And to of go. course, it's yeah. ready. You don't ever actually see him loaded again, even though he shoots. And he actually picks up his poncho for the first time. Yeah. How badass was that? Well, and being this is a prequel, it makes sense because you were it in the subsequent two films. And I was wondering how they, that worked. So that makes complete It's like Solo. Sense. Yeah. Wow. Oh. So. <laughs> solo. That's a good movie, so, by the way. Ugly gets like put it. on the train and to be hung for his crimes. The good and angel eyes basically go in. Team to, up. To team up to, to find the. Uh, new partnership. New partnership to go find the trailer. Or the, <laughs> the treasure. Um, let's talk about the, the, the fact train? that Tuco used. I, the whole way he got off the train and then used the train to break yeah. his bonds. Badass. I, I thought that that was one of the coolest shots I've ever seen. I already mentioned the detail of having the body that was on the tracks carried a distance. And I mean, to me, that that seems dumb, but it shows so much intention in the filmmaking. But then to have the way it was is shot, and, and Sean, you were saying that it's shot, it was shot live with Eli Wallach well, yeah. there. And they were like, oh, you'll be okay. And I mean... <laughs> The, really? the camera's yeah. right there. I mean, 1966, we don't have a whole lot of CGI going on. No, none. None. Um, but the fact that we have the camera right there doesn't cut away. It doesn't, you know, oh, that's what would have happened. Like, literally, we see it died. cut. Yeah. Yeah. It was fucking crazy. It's crazy. Man. It was so well done and so integral to the movie itself, like the story itself. Oh, and we missed, I'm sorry, we missed Tuco's torture scene um, oh. back. Uh, and that's something that, once again, I feel like... I there was something about this movie, and I know it was long, and I know it had a lot of a lot of, you know, some people could say a lot of negative. I, I don't see the negative because all I see is it established so many themes in movies that would emerge over the next 25, 35, 50 years when he's getting beat up and the band is playing, and all of a and sudden then the fiddler refuses to play. Oh, play with more heart. And you've got this kind of. I don't. It's, once again, it's more about Hollywood eyes before it was Hollywood. It was more like they were pushing the envelope to what they could show on film without getting shut down. They didn't push back. All right. So basically, we've got Tuco who's escaped the train. He's used the train. Uh, uh, to, uh, to, badass scene. Yeah. To, he, he had to get away from his. Uh, he was captured, so he had to get away from his the big guy who was beating the shit out of him. And it, you know, he all it took was a split second of like, "Hey, just let me take a piss in peace." And then he jumped off the train and smashed his head into a rock. Fucking gnarly, man. Brother, where art thou? And that brings us to kind of what I think, uh, Brandon, you didn't care for the scene, but I thought this was kind of a really cool scene. So you've got, let me set it up a little bit. You've got Angel Eyes or Angle Eyes with uh, Blondie and his posse in this beat up, busted out town, war savage town. Yeah. With with the cannon fire falling as they're they're there. And Tuco basically breaks into this house and... Um, wants to take a bath. And he's seen by one of the three people at the very beginning of the movie who was chasing him down. Um, and he's in the bath, and he's kind of getting all, you know, suds up. Suds up. I was going to say that. <laughs> oh. He has bath bomb in there. Yeah, he actually was, like, throwing a bunch of shit in there. I love the fact that he's like, you know what, fuck, I'm going to just keep my gun inside here, too, at the same time in case someone just rolls up. Maverick, anybody? Maverick? There's a lot of references, a lot of, like, Westerns. 
Angel Eyes, Angel. I mean, come on, dude. I mean, it was just like every Western or every lot of like movies are going back to it. Shoot, don't talk. Yeah, exactly. And I love that. That was improvised. That was improvised. I would love that scene. I believe Clint Eastwood, uh, uh, Blondie, recognizes the sound of his gun. Every gun makes his own tune. Right. And he goes up to see... Damn, bro. That's what he fucking said. (laughs) The way he said that. To see Tuco. And this is when I think their relationship kind of changed from mutual respect to... They become best friends forever again. No, no, no. Yes, they did. But they definitely want to have partnership against Angel Eyes, who they've seen as kind of the villain, the bad. Exactly. And as I know that his body count isn't up there, but he basically is a piece of shit. Like, he's... The bad. Uh, uh, scoundrel. The, he's a scoundrel. Sentenza. He's, yeah, Sentenza. Sentenza? Sentenza. I just call him Angel Eyes. Angel Eyes. Anyway, so th- then you've got uh, uh, Tuco and, and Blondie going through the town, this blown out town, and he, they're going to kill the posse of Angel Eyes. Have you ever done that before? I feel like Tombstone kind of took that, or a lot, a lot of movies took that, going, going through the town to kill, like, yeah. to like pit people off. Like That was kind of cool. And I thought I thought it was kind of um, huh. so I compared it to something Open Range, which is one of my favorite cowboy movies. We know, I know. And Open Range, nobody could shoot anything; everyone was wounding people in this. And this goes back to what you were saying, Brandon: is is the bad guys had terrible aim, and the good guys one shot, and you were dead. Like one shot, you were dead. Oh, the guy that jumped on him, he had the high ground. We learned from Star Wars that if you don't have the high ground, you're gonna get your legs chopped <laughs> off. Kind of going, and yet, and yet. Blondie fucking up on the roof and just kills that guy. Well, something and actually I made notes about this, and then I know I said there was only two things that kind of pissed me off about this movie. But there's another one, um, and that's that every time that they get a drop on somebody, you notice that they like drew attention to the fact that they're there and that the other person's about to die, and it's like woohoo, and then boom. Uh, why? 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 Why would you like draw attention? Want the reaction. To the <laughs> oh, it's a movie making <laughs> thing. No, it pissed me off. To. The producer told them to make a reaction. That's why. So they okay. leave the town after they take care of the posses, and they actually go into another part of the Civil War. Right. <laughs> and this is, to me, it's okay. This is where the movie kind of goes, you, you go, okay, I put up with your long shots. I put up with a lot of your your slowness. Why are we not at the cemetery yet? The drunk <laughs> Union General <laughs> captain. That was, he was fucking oh, no. awesome. He, he was, was awful. He was fucking great. He was, he was great. Because he, he was like, why are we fighting this fucking war was, over this fucking bridge? That one was 20 minutes. It could have yeah. been 12. <laughs> I agree plus, with you on his that. voice didn't match him at all. At all. Like, oh, he's a little, you little bitch boy. <laughs> <laughs> remember, this was an Italian film. So basically, there was only three actors that were actually, you know, pretty much talking like, you know, regular English and everything. The voiceover guy they got, though, <laughs> was George like a Clooney? WWF George Clooney looking motherfucker. George Clooney. Yeah, he did. <laughs> so he was hot, but my God, his voice just was like, like seven octaves. Just like in low. the movie, we're going to skip We're gonna skip over the bridge because it should have been shorter. So basically, the they, bridge that they, nobody they, saw two guys strapping I dynamite love that scene to. Where Clint Eastwood is like, where did everybody go? I love that scene where Clint Eastwood goes, man, I've never seen so many men get wasted. All these men just going to die. So. They blow so up the they bridge. So they blow up the bridge, and that's when they have basically they 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 get to or they see the cemetery. Well, I did like the reason that they blew up the bridge was yeah. because that they were there's no way they were getting to the cemetery if both armies were there. Right. Yeah. So let's get them out of there. So by they had to ruining the one thing that they were fighting the for. At the yeah. same time, the good was like, hey, to the to the Tuco. captain, no, to, to the okay. general. He's like, hey, 
Like I, he sees these and dies. Like I'll do something for you that you've been wanting to do. I'll, yeah. I'll let you go out. So he that's how he's good. Happy. He, he died drunk. happy and yeah, drunk. So the good is good. <laughs> really drunk. <laughs> so so that brings us to kind of the, uh, the final the, the showdown. Final showdown at the cemetery, and we've got we kind of got one last trick where the treasure isn't buried under um, the guy's name. I can't remember. Um, Ash, Arch Arch. Arch. Yeah, Samson. Samson. Samsonite. That was so close. <laughs> anyway, so it devolves into this Mexican standoff. No, it's a trial instead of a duel. This reminded me of The Office with everyone all of a sudden like, you put your guns down? That's what? where it came from. I know. But it just reminded me of it. It's like, and the, the way Reservoir that, dogs. Reservoir it, dogs. It, Reservoir it, dogs. All of a sudden, though, for some reason, after when they got captured and they enlisted to the Union, yeah. for me, it became a little bit... A comedy. Yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, this is happening again!" Like you just got captured again, and that, okay. And then now there's the standoff. It's like, "Oh my god!" This yeah, is- but it, it, you seriously, hate my vote. You go through all this fucking trials, and then you get to the end, and the end is so fucking satisfying for me. So Please. satisfying. Like the music is just oh. like this classic guitar, and okay. you see how crazy it is, man, with so this big ass cemetery. You've got to, uh, you got to play the soundtrack for this movie in the that final moments, like and you got to play the Westworld soundtrack. And I'm telling you right now, they're so similar. And I'm like one? listening to it. Go, wah, wah, wah. Thank you. There was, <laughs> another, there was another song when the, he was looking through the cemetery. He was jumping around. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is a badass song. I remember the song. Yeah. I forgot what it was. But I, I did enjoy that scene I, where he's looking for the. the and the, that's, the, that's the, what I'm talking about with it. it, it Westworld stole. It's got to get this. Bum, ba-da-dum, bum, bum, bum. And it's just, it's got this, this tones to it that, that are so freaking Westworld. Oh, people, so Westworld. Great. Oh, my God. So good. So I, I really think that this is and, and and Eddie, you keep saying you know you've said that this is long and drawn out. The, I clips, think there's certain areas I, for I, sure, yeah. for sure. But I think this area is drawn out. This last standoff after two hours and thirty seven minutes, I feel like we need <laughs> fucking another, let's yeah we, another one. We need, no, no, we need to be slow oh, and deliberate. Yes. Yes. And I want to see angel eyes, and I want to see flies landing on people's lips, and I want to see and like, see eyes and fingers, then fingers, and then right. eyes and, and then fingers, see, and then shifting eyes back and forth, and, and then you hands. See angel oh. eyes actually kind of like you know, kind of like pause for a minute, like knowing like fuck, oh, here we go. And so seriously, cool. the music stops. That's it. Tuco had no bullet Bullets. in his guns. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love though that they both fired at the bad. Right. right. They would have gotten the bad. That was both of their, their, their strategy. Whether Tugo had a gun, or, or I'm sorry, bullets in his gun or not, he was going after the bad, not at Who the good either. Who did shoot at? Uh, the good. Okay. He knew. Right. He knew he had to kill. Tugo's a good gun fighter, too. So uh, then this is where I think the movie kind of got a little cinema, uh, Hollywood, Hollywood eyes, where the, the angel eyes fell into the tomb, or into the into the open grave. I think, And then his out. hat and his, and his yeah. Go back. I think there was one bullet in the gun. I do, too. Okay, I do too. I think that he did shoot the bad, but I think that he didn't. I thought he, I thought he shot the bad, but I don't think that he had a chance to shoot the good. Did you know that skeleton was actually a real skeleton? Really? And what's so funny is that the person who died told, or actually wanted to have her remains to be in a movie. Actually, (laughs) she she was was an actress, and she's like, "No, I still. If you need to use the skeleton, and she had it in her will or something like that, use it in a film, and they use it to film, man." Pretty fucking amazing, right there. So we've got we've got the ugly and and uh, and the good who basically then dig up and split. Well, there's two types of people in this world: <laughs> one who shit. has guns and one who did <laughs> shovel. <laughs> you dig. <Yeah. laughs> so the the two hundred thousand dollars is unearthed. 
Here's here's what I don't understand about the movie. Maybe I'm missing something, and Brandy, you can help me out a little bit from a literary standpoint. So we've got the ugly. We've got Eli Wallach. We've got Tuco, who is uh, the the good or the blondie makes him put a noose around his neck, and he stands on top of the of this whatever you call it. What do you call it? The tombstone. The cross. The The tombstone. And he leaves him his his hundred thousand dollars, and. You know, like you know what's gonna happen. You know he's gonna ride away and shoot down the 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 noose. I can't talk right now. I'm sorry. That's fine. Um, I don't understand why he's so angry because he has a hundred thousand dollars after he gets shot down. I don't understand the anger. He makes him look he, like a jackass because he fucked with him. Yeah, for, like, it's, it's all about the the game between friends. Well, like I you think and he was I. Terrified. And he got the last. He thinks he got the last laugh. So he's like, "F you, man!" I like was, I think it was straight up fear. But, but love you. Right. Let, F you, but I love you. I'm going to come get you. Blondie! (laughs) You know what you are? Just a dirty, yellow, rotten son of a bitch. I mean, I I, I thought right there it was a little bit like, is this this game? It's like, why do you have to do that? But he was like, there's... Would you have wanted, though, him to look out and say, thank you, sir? No, (laughs) I I would have wanted him to laugh hysterically. That's what I think would have been kind of... I mean, just, just. <laughs> Thank you for only killing me. <laughs> Thank you. It's almost like that. Their whole friendship was that, though. It was just like okay, like it was like a fake friendship. Back and forth. Back and forth. Yeah. Back and forth. And like okay, well, we'll, well, our paths are crossed again. And by the way, this movie has such great cliches that we've now. Well, they weren't cliches when they when this movie was made, but we've become cliches out of this movie. The close up of the eyes. The riding off into the sunset. Um, you know, the gunfight where you have the Mexican standoff. I mean, to me, this was such a beautiful movie that created so many of the things that we see throughout time. And so we look at that last shot of him literally riding off into the sunset. I, I just don't think... I, beautiful. I don't think there's... I don't think there any any movie has done it better. No. Anyway. I agree. And that brings us to the end of our review. Now it's time of the podcast where each of the hosts provides their score on our scale zero to five. Eddie, can you take us through our scale, please? Accurate. I like it. Hold on one second. Zero, the perfect movie. You don't need shit to enjoy it. One, a feel-good first shot tale. Two, a happy buzz. Three, you're going to uh, Uber or Lifting Home. Four, a rough morning watch of shame. Five, a blackout shit face spring break drunk. Can we change rough morning watch of shame? Like, right. I always a hard morning walk of shame? A always hard, add an F a to hard? Do you want me to change the script that we've been doing for 50 episodes because you can't pronounce the word rough? Yes. <laughs> yes. Technically, yes. No. this is our fourth gift. This is season two. I feel like you're directly. Okay, anyways, uh, (laughs) gentlemen, let's start with Brandon. Oh, I never actually start. Okay, well, I'm going to piss everybody off. Okay, so this movie was a movie that, like I said, and and Sean, you mentioned this earlier, that I came in not wanting to like. I wasn't expecting to like it. I mentioned, uh, I think it was last week, that I, I, I don't really like the old school Western vibe, right? It just kind of throws me off. I like the newer Western. But this idea of Clint Eastwood, the the John Wayne, I'm just not a huge fan. At least I thought of this this uh, story. So I came in, you know, seeing the three hour benchmark, and I said, "Damn!" And I saw Clint Eastwood, and I said, "Damn!" <laughs> and I saw the fact, or I heard actually, Sean, you mentioned we talked about it before you. I started watching this. The fact that their voices don't match up to their mouths, and I said, "Damn, damn, damn!" And then I watched it. And I said, I don't give a shit if their voices match up to their legs. They could have literally had their lips together and voice over, and I would have been like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and the fact that I, I know I mentioned this a bunch of times, and I'm probably a broken record at this point, but um, the detail of this movie, the quality of filmmaking, the music, whether it was kind of placed correctly or not, 
this is one of those movies that it doesn't happen for me a lot, but I lost myself in the story. I lost myself in the movie making. And I just enjoyed. And I enjoyed the shit out of it. Whether there were good characters or bad characters, anti-heroes or, or straightforward characters, I loved it. Does, it. does it have flaws? Absolutely. Yes, it did. And uh, at the same time, I thought that this movie, the quality of this movie overshadowed those problems. Um, I would say, I would go out on, on record, and I'm going on record right now, saying this is to me one of the most influential and important mm. movies Absolutely. I've ever seen. Absolutely. And we talk about influence I say that this movie should be in the negatives because I think that there are so many movies after it that have straight up stolen from this movie. And I talk about that stolen not in the plagiaristic terms, but used the qualities of this movie and done it maybe a little bit better even. But this is the movie that set the foundation. And so for that, I I lost myself. I didn't care if it was three hours. It could have been five hours and I would have happily watched those other two hours of this movie. So if you get a chance, Netflix it before it's gone because man, this is worth it. I'm having a shot with this and I'm I'm, I'm walking Fucking away. Fucking shit. Yes. Eddie. Holy shit. Eddie, you're up, bro. <laughs> Woo. Right. So follow me up. I'll follow you up. <laughs> yeah, I'll follow you up right now. Okay, you're done talking too, so don't come over here to my mic and start talking right now. No, no. All right. So do you muck your thumb at me? <laughs> so overall. See, I didn't do that to you. Okay. So I really, uh, same thing as everyone thought, like three hours movie, I was like, okay, damn it. Like this is going to be a, a, a whole, I'm not going to bed till two in the morning. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, so for me, it actually did take two days to watch the movie because I was like, okay, I have to like, I don't want to be tired watching the movie. I want to give it a, a real good store. And for me, honestly, the first hour, there was parts of the first hour and a half that I really enjoyed. But I, I, I got. It was hard for me not to pay attention to uh, the long uh, clips, and I was trying to get past it. I really enjoyed that the back hour and a half of the movie. I really did. I really, I, I thought it was okay for that. It, I gave it a little bit of store than I was about to give for the first half of the movie. And also because it's Clint Eastwood, and he was a badass in this movie. This is where he became his name. I feel like there was a reason why Clint Eastwood. He's like the John Wayne. That still to this day that we appreciate with uh, Western uh, actors, um, you just appreciate the movie. I I give this. I'm gonna look at this movie as a like this movie to me is better than the Maverick. Okay, I enjoyed Maverick, but overall, uh, it, it's a better Western movie. It, it, there's a lot of things I agree with Brandon that it, a lot of movies take from this movie, and I do give that credit. I do see a lot of Quentin Tarantino movies uh, taken from this little. Uh, aspects of other movies uh, every western movie has to pull something from this movie uh, I also feel like though uh, there was some random scenes as like, hey, that wasn't needed this wasn't needed why are we going back to the Civil War uh, so they're always captured yeah and so that's why I said like for me it was like a 30 minutes a little bit too much longer than I wanted so I didn't want it to stay longer I wanted it to end a little sooner and just get to the point where you wanted to get it was a heist a little bit of three people trying to capture like $200,000. For me, I originally was going to give this a hard five. But but I know. I I did not enjoy the movie at first. And then I was so negative. But then I started to enjoy, after watching the whole movie and really seeing what I, uh, taking in what I watched, I'm going to give this uh, actually a better on the score. This movie is actually a lot better than 
an average movie for me. So that, that's why I'm not, I'm not, it wasn't one of my favorite movies. I do recommend you go watch the movie. Um, I don't think I'll watch it again, but I do appreciate watching this movie at least once. And I see where everything's taken from this movie. So I'm going to give it a 2.75. I just bought this on Amazon right now. 2.75. Well, you shouldn't because Netflix is free. So I didn't know how you guys were going to take this movie because you none of you guys have seen this movie, right? Never. I've seen this movie, and it's one of my favorite Western films, and I was like, fuck, they're going to fucking hate the shit out of it. I hated that you first, know, yeah. I didn't know where I was going to stand on this for you guys. But for me, I think it's one of the top three Westerns. I would say the one Western that had a huge impact on cinema. It changed filmmaking. It changed Western films, the look, the sound. I think the score will live on uh, another 100 years. It's that fucking amazing. I think Eastwood is legendary in this film. I think the film He's helped. He's sexy. Oh, dude, he was fucking a tall drink of water. I see why people like him. <laughs> I think the film helped pave the way to for all the Scorsese and the Tarantino's <laughs> films that we all love and celebrate. There are a few flaws in the film, and yes, Eddie, and yes, Sean, and yes, Brandon. <laughs> it's way too fucking long. However, it's stylish, it's raw, and it's timeless. And it's in a world of its own. I'm giving it a one, guys. This is a feel-good first cocktail. All right. So um, I'll round out our scores. So I was in the same boat as Eddie and Brandon. Um, when I started this movie, I was like, what the flipping hell am I watching? This is just, it's going to be this drawn-out, slow, old movie. And then all of a sudden, it's almost like as soon as uh, they were eating at the table and, and the guy and Angel Eyes killed the, the guy and then his son, I was like, oh, no, this movie is going to be something completely different than I expected. And it didn't disappoint from start to finish. I think Eddie has a point. I think for the first half of the movie, uh, it drug a little bit. But then once you got to the point where Tuco was tortured and he got on the train, I think from there to the end of the movie was just a... It was it was something different, something nobody had seen in you know in the nineteen sixties. I think this movie is the benchmark for Western movies, and and if ever there was a question about why Clint Eastwood, and I used to do this all the time, I didn't like Clint Eastwood, uh, and and they use it in Back to the Future, right? Clint Eastwood, you know, pick a real Western. What kind of star. stupid name is that? Yeah, and, and you're like, <laughs> if you ever doubted that Clint Eastwood was a Western hero, a Western themed god of movies this is the movie you need to watch absolutely uh i think that brandon you hit the nail on the head the quality of the movie from start to finish the the detail the 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 nuanced the the makeup the music the scenery i think everything about it is basically perfect i think it's 20 minutes too long and i think you take out uh three or four scenes and it would be a zero Absolutely. Uh, I think this movie is probably as close to a zero as anything that I've watched that isn't a zero. Let's put it that way. Um, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a shot. Woo! And and here's why. This our mandate of our podcast is to review movies that in in some way shape how movies will be told on screen in the future. This is the that playbook movie. of of every movie that's come after it. Absolutely. Every movie has drawn something from this. I don't care if it's a western. I don't care if it's Terminator. I saw, I saw the the standoff between the Terminator and Michael Bean in Terminator. Yeah, you're almost bigger for bringing my fucking one to a fucking half a shot. It, it, <laughs> every movie has 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 derived at least some aspect of this movie uh, and used it again. The greatest directors 
uh, I was thinking about Brian De Palma. I was thinking about um, uh, Untouchables, right? Untouchables has that great scene. Sam Composer. Okay, so it's a great scene yeah. where the baby carriage is going oh, down yeah. the, the stairs. That scene would not be possible without these long, pr- protracted shots of emotion. I think that this movie is as close to a zero as I can get. It's a half. It's a shot for me. It is literally, I think, close to Western perfection. That's what I'm talking about. Eddie, when you uh, combine our scores and divide by four, what does the good, the bad, and the ugly get? The good, the bad, the ugly, they, it gets uh, 1.18. And Jeremy, 75. 1.1875. Do we round our, up? Do we not round up? I, I never know. Every t- 1.19. Every, every other episode, <laughs> we, we no, round up, we don't round up. One, what do we do? Well, let's see where it lands. <laughs> 1.19. Jeremy, on our list of movies that uh, we've reviewed, where does that bring it us? It falls off the top five. The best, better film is Jaws at a 1.06, and it falls right below that. And what's below it? Elf. God, Elf's too high. <laughs> no, it's not. I wasn't here. I'm going to throw my vote in. That's a negative half. <laughs> I will throw up a so, shot. I'll throw up a shot. So uh, it's, it, it's actually, it actually falls in uh, number six in our... Uh, in that's our, a good spot. It's in the top tier the top of the movies. 10. The better movie is, ja- is Jaws. Yeah, so I mean, it's got an eight point eight on um, on IMDb, and it's on AFI's list of top hundred movies to see before you die. Essentially, so I think that this movie, it, it's comfortable there. I think it's, it, I think other movies might be a little high, but ninety seven Rotten Tomatoes. There. No, yeah. but you got to see what we have in our, in, in our top six. I mean, our top five. We got Field of Dreams. We got Perks of Being a Wildflower. We got The Sound of Music, Joker, Jaws, and then now we got Good and the Bad and the Ugly. Yeah, good- I think it's pretty damn good. It's better than Joker, and I like Joker a lot. <laughs> All right, if you enjoyed our review or a fan of the podcast, we ask that you please subscribe wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review on iTunes. If you're interested, you can find us on Instagram at the.gentlemanpodcast. You can visit our website at thegentlemanpodcast.com. Uh, you can reach out to us by email at hosts with an S at thegentlemanpodcast.com. For legal reasons, we don't condone or encourage anyone under the age of 21 to drink along with us. Uh, and of course, because we live in a ridiculous society where people are stupid, 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 and that's what Brandon was talking about earlier. He wasn't calling wasn't not listeners stupid. <laughs> we must ask you, please, not to drink and drive. If you're listening to us in the car, uh, Eddie. You have got some shout outs for us. Yes, yeah, shout out to uh, everyone in Annapolis, Indiana, uh, Bakersfield, California. Also, uh, I want to say Minneapolis, Minnesota. Thank you. There's a lot going on there. So thank you for listening to us right now. Wasn't that- uh, Twice. Also, <laughs> Minneapolis, Minnesota, and in Indianapolis. Oh, Indianapolis and yeah. Minneapolis. <laughs> Two different. It sounds the same, <laughs> but it's different. Okay, Indiana, Minnesota. Thank you okay. for all the listeners. Uh, West Chicago as well. Like, thank you guys for listening. So uh, the only way that this podcast is going to grow is if you tell your friends about it, tell your grandparents about it, tell your everyone that you know about it. Uh, grandparents, sure. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Anyway, tell your friends, uh, you know, if, you, if they are looking for something to enjoy or, you know, kill an hour of their time is a great way to do it. So thank you, gentlemen, for We're begging being you at this here. point. And uh, we'll see you next week. Cheers, Cheers gentlemen. gentlemen. Uh, there's two type of people, people who have drinks and people who have empty drinks. Two types no, of podcasts. Two, there's, Honestly, there's, there's the good and there's like, that was one of the best ones ever. There's two types of podcasts. There's that good one, and then there's Play Break. Oh, my God, Play Break. Am I right? Got it in. What an evil man.